All right, Break Hard Podcast, back again, another week, the last NASCAR episode of the season. We had all three series in action this weekend in Phoenix. You had the truck series on Friday night at Phoenix, obviously. You had the Xfinity series on Saturday evening into night, and then you had the Cup series Sunday afternoon. All three pole sitters won. Uh, obviously, that's bad. Well, that's not bad. Best car, uh, best cars won. I will say that best cars won. We can't be upset about that. However, track position is key, and when you have a championship race, a winner take all race, you would prefer that people be able to pass, and that didn't happen, which is highly unfortunate. So you had Zane Smith win the Truck Series championship, Ty Gibbs win the Xfinity Series championship. And Joey Logano is now a two-time NASCAR Cup Series champion, winning the race, winning the championship. We'll get into that right away. First, really weird day. Um, Sunday, that is, because obviously you're probably going to listen to this on Monday or whenever. Really weird day. Around noon-ish, East Coast time, uh, it came out that Ty Gibbs wouldn't be running today's race in the 23 uh 2311 car um due to a family emergency and that was it we didn't hear anything else about that as the time went on more drivers were putting out uh tweets that were like you know the gibbs family's in my thoughts and prayers really praying for the gibbs family right now stuff like that and it's like okay like obviously something big happened here um and obviously like I've I've said things about Ty Gibbs. I don't think he's a I don't think he's a clean race car driver. I think he, you know, has a lot of growing up to do. Clearly though, just as a human, I don't want to see anything bad, actually bad happen to someone. Do I want to see him lose a race, lose a championship? Absolutely. Do I want to see anything bad happen to him in his personal life? No, never. <laughs> like literally never. Um everybody's gone through close losses, uh, people lost people close to them. Never did I expect to see that his dad passed away literal hours after him winning the championship, um, in his sleep. So Coy Gibbs passed away at the age of 49, uh, in his sleep last night. I mean, there's literally a photo of Ty with his dad, Coy and his mom, uh, in the trophy together. There's one with all three of them, plus Joe there with them. And then to just know that, you know, this morning he doesn't get to wake up or didn't get to wake up to having a dad anymore is it's heart. It's honestly heartbreaking. Like I can't imagine um, what he's going through uh, to lose your dad suddenly like that at the age of 49 to only be 20. Um, I obviously am older than 20 and I know at that point in my life, like I, I leaned heavy on my dad for a lot of things. And I'm sure Ty did as well. Anybody that has a dad does. And by all accounts, they seem to be good parents. Like, or, you know, um, you know, invested in their kids. And that's really what you want to see out of parents. Obviously not a parent. Um, but I think that those are the type of parents that are generally, you know, in my opinion, the best. That, you know, truly care about their kids and, you know, want to see them succeed. Which, as a parent, you should want. But yeah, uh, it's just uh, the picture of them I tweeted out. I was like, this picture ha- is going to give Ty Gibbs 
so much joy and so much grief for the rest of his life because he's going to have these great memories of winning the championship, his dad being there to see it, getting to take this photo with his mom and his grandpa and everything. But then at the same time, he's going to remember that this is the likely the last photo that he ever took with his dad, or at least the last professional photo. Um, and that's really heartbreaking when you think about it. So, yeah. Thank you, Nate. He's also upset about this as well. Um, heartbreaking is really the only thing I can say. It's just you never want to see anything like that happen. Um, never would have expected it to be coy either. Um, and to go in your sleep, like, I guess, you know, whatever. Just brutal all around. And I, I you know, can't imagine. Dale Jarrett got choked up on the broadcast talking about it because obviously he's known, he's known Coy and JD. I'm basically their entire adult lives, at least. Um, he was a part of that family, that JGR family for a while. You had Kyle Petty get choked up because obviously he's lost his son, you know, and that's a weird sort of group to be in within the NASCAR circles. Um, really weird comeback from break segment from Marty Snyder. They talked about Coy and it was really somber, like obviously up on the pit box and they came back, played like the NBC music and then Marty Smith or Snyder just goes and the show goes on and then just pitched it away. Like what? It just felt really insensitive um, to come out of something like that. So yeah, bummer all around it made it made the championship race really feel meaningless and all of this is essentially meaningless at the end of the day i mean it's just sports and sports don't really matter they should have no effect on your actual personal life or emotions or anything like that but you know it, it's hard to really care about something when it's like man somebody's life was unfortunately cut way shorter than it should have been and you know he's a big part of that organization and then you have Again, I'm not the biggest Joe Gibbs guy, but losing both of your sons, both of them at the age of 49, which is odd, um, is got to be, I can't, again, can't imagine what they're going through as a family right now, what he's going through as a dad, what Ty and his siblings are going through. I mean, it's all just very unfortunate. So having said that, we're going to move on to the cup series race at phoenix for the first time since 2016 championship drivers didn't finish one two so there's that um unfortunately for ryan blaney he had to not challenge joey logano for the win even though he was the better car at the end of the race i believe um and probably could have passed the 22 there in the closing laps but i think was told before the race not to because obviously you can't say things like that over the radio anymore because nascar is paying attention so he did his best Sergio Perez impersonation uh, a week too late from Halloween and, you know, just played a uh, wingman to Joey Logano as he went on to win the race and win the championship, his fourth win of the year, second Cup Series championship, like I mentioned before. Good for Joey. He's a wheelman. Like, I don't, I understand the hate from for that Joey gets. I've definitely hated on him before. I think he's a d fucking dork. But... He uh, he got it done, and that's really what matters at the end of the day. So, 
obviously shouldn't have been there. The watermelon man, uh, the watermelon farmer driving motor coaches, you know, a mere, what, four years ago, three years ago. Uh, the guy who's been through it all uh, finally got his break, wins two races this year, finishes second in the championship, third in this race. The guy, I think Ross Chastain might be a future NASCAR Cup Series champion, which is almost insane to say. The same guy that got into it with Kevin Harvick because Kevin Harvick said he was, Ross that is, was driving too hard at Darlington, um, is now, you know, a cup, he's a cup favorite. He's a championship favorite going into 2023. And I'm excited to see what he can do, what that track house team can do as well. I mean, Ross is another one. He's a wheel man. All four of those guys that made the playoffs this year, the championship race that is, all four of those guys are extremely talented behind the wheel of a race car. They can win literally anywhere. Um, obviously, Chris Rebell still needs to win on a mile and a half in the Cup Series because he hasn't done that yet. I had to just rack my brain real quick to make sure that he hadn't done that yet. Um, and same with Ross. He hasn't won on a mile and a half yet either, but he has a road course win. He has a drafting track win. You know, it's only a matter of time until he probably wins at other places too and chase has wins at all of those places um that i just mentioned so and same with joey joey's won everywhere as well in terms of different types of track i have no problem with who the championship four were they were the four best average finishers this year i just wish that this race was somewhere besides phoenix phoenix just does not provide for good racing um christopher bell he had a chance with like 65 laps uh to go 55 laps to go somewhere in there he made a run at it traffic kind of killed him and then he came in for a pit stop and his tire changer got his finger stuck between the lug and the spindle which is a very unfortunate place to get your finger stuck at and that cost him 10 seconds on pit road and he was just never able to recover from it after that i think he ended up finishing 10th he drove back up to to there i believe but either way he should have should have finished better uh than that probably better than chastain but it's a it's a team sport there at the end and you gotta capitalize on it when you can yeah he finished 10th so joe gonna wins ryan blaney second blaney goes through the season winless after having three wins last season like I said, likely should have won this race, led 109 of the 312 laps. Joey led 187. Penske absolutely had them covered today with those two drivers. Uh, Chase Briscoe led 11 laps. He won here in the spring. Ross Chastain was third. Briscoe fourth. Kevin Harvick fifth. William Byron seventh. Kyle Busch in his last race with JGR, which makes a really weird last race for him. P7, Denny Hamlin, P8. Kyle Larson, P9. And Christopher Bell comes home in 10th place you're probably wondering where chase elliott's at obviously you're not because you definitely watched the race he finished p28 after getting spun out by ross chastain on a restart and chase and alan gustin and that or that nine team are under the impression that the one of chastain hooked them from the video the nine just keeps coming down on the one, uh, you know, in the dog leg, and the one isn't going to lift. Obviously, it's a restart. He's not going to give Chase that position. So he turned him, 
and Chase wasn't happy about it. He hit square on the wall. It definitely knocked the toe out of the car. And I mean, he just didn't have the car after that. They were able to get the wheel straight again, um, but there was still clearly something going on with that nine car. And that was basically his championship. I don't think he had a shot at winning the title today. I think he maybe could have, you know, battled it out for a second. I think Joey was just in a league of his own, um, which is, which is, uh, you know, a different, he's in a different space than everyone else. But overall, like, yeah, we got to get away from Phoenix. And I think obviously the general consensus is that when, the Fontana track is converted after next year's two mile last race on the two mile configuration. Once converted into a short track, I think in 2024, it's pretty clear that that track will host the championship race. And even if it's, I, well, I'm going to go ahead and say that they'll be hosting the championship race because it gives them what, 18 months, at least almost two full years to, to rebuild and reconfigure that track. If they have, uh, obviously we know it'll be the second race of next year's schedule in 2023. So the third week in February, I believe, or the last weekend in February. And then if you don't have, if you're gonna have the championship race there in 2024, that gives them all the way until the first weekend of November, 2024 to get it done. So it gives them, yeah, I mean, it gives them 21 months basically. Uh, to reconfigure that track. And I think that just makes the most sense um, for everyone involved. So wouldn't hate to see it. It's got to get away from Phoenix. Phoenix is just bad. And I was going through the list of tracks today that ISC owns where they could move the championship race to. Martinsville is an intriguing one just because it's Martinsville one, which would certainly create some drama, I think, more than what Phoenix can give you. And everyone's like, well, it's going to be cold in Martinsville. Is it really going to be that much of a difference between one week and the next? Like last week we we're in Martinsville, this week we we're in Phoenix. I get it from like, uh, you want to go somewhere warmer for your championship race. So like you can get the celebrities and everyone to come out. I understand that. I don't agree with it. Um, but, you know, if you can't, if you're not going to have it at Homestead, don't for sure don't have it in Phoenix. So move it to L.A., I wish that, you know, next year's race would be next year's championship race was at Fontana in the fall. Obviously can't do that because we're reconfiguring the track, but really when it comes down to it, the only tracks that are necessarily available for, for the championship race kind of come down when you're looking at just warm weather, Homestead and Phoenix, you could maybe get lucky by having it at Daytona. Well, not lucky. Like you could have it at Daytona. You're not going to, cause obviously there's way too many factors there. I'm just going through ISC tracks right here. Taldega, again, it would be warmer than it would be if you tried to have it at Michigan or Kansas, likely. Um, and a championship race in Kansas just doesn't really make sense. And a championship race at Michigan wouldn't be exciting at all. Watkins Glen is another one of their tracks. You're not going to do it there because it's upstate New York in the first week of November. There is a chance of snow or at least cold temperatures so you don't want to do that and a road course you don't want to have a championship race on the road course so you really are kind of stuck where they're at and they're never going to give it to smi so charlotte's out of the question and texas is out of question and bristol's out of the question and um potentially the only one that i could possibly see it going to would be nashville super speedway 
And that track's owned by SMI now, so it doesn't make sense to do that unless NASCAR wants to build their own oval in Nashville. And I think that they wish they could, but they're spending $50 million on the Chicago street race, which, you know, it's a lot for a race that we don't know necessarily what's going to do it. But hey, I'm all for taking risks. Go ahead and do it. But yeah, um, got to move out of Phoenix. Just a bad race overall. Um, let me take a look here real quick. 2065 green flag passes previous at this track back in the spring you had 2058 all right so they're pretty spot on there uh the spring had two more cautions in this race championship race last year had 1900 okay so they literally basically had the same green flag passes um between the gen six car and the gen seven car um, it's kind of unfortunate for for everybody else 2021 seven cautions 3200 green flag laps for the spring race i vividly remember that race being bad but whatever okay yeah um yeah whatever it is what it is nascar is not going to change it we already know the schedule for next year anyways the other odd thing to come out of this race was alex bowman got absolutely Bodied by Mike. Michael McDowell drove off of turn four, three, four. What is that? Turn two? God damn it. The turn on the backstretch. Turn two. Uh, just drove off the corner like the 48 wasn't even there. Just absolutely bodied him into the board, spun him out, put Bowman into the wall. If I'm Alex Bowman, I mean, Daniel Suarez body slammed Michael or Michael McDowell for far less than what McDowell did to Bowman. Obviously, Bowman's coming back from a concussion. He probably doesn't want to get into a physical altercation, but I'd be walking down there being like, what the fuck, dude? Um, McDowell drives over his head a lot. Um, it's just the kind of driver that he is, but he's a good Christian boy, so it's all okay. Um, but yeah, very bizarre uh, move there by, by him. Overall, though, like I just can't stress enough how much I just really didn't enjoy this race and honestly it feels it felt weird to watch it knowing sort of what happened with koi and how everybody was kind of thinking about that it feels weird on this podcast right now like it's just this isn't the end of the season that i think we're all hoping for i'm also going to go ahead and say that the 36 race schedule 38 race schedule essentially is too much like i i love racing i love watching race cars and i'll be honest with you this last week of the season, it's not good. Like, you want to be sent off into the offseason wanting more. Like, that's the sign of, like, a good season or a good, you know, schedule. Man, by the time we get to Phoenix, there isn't a fucking person that wants to see a race next weekend. Especially, and the, the bad part is, is Phoenix just doesn't put on good races, so it doesn't leave you for wanting more. Nobody right now is like, oh, man, I wish we were going racing next week at Phoenix because that was such a great race. We're all like, you know, having a couple months off is actually a good thing. I'd be fine and ask our dial it back to 32 races. Obviously, they're not going to because, or they can't, because they have TV contracts that stipulate that they have 36 points paying races and two exhibition races each year. But man, it felt like the season just kind of dragged here at the end. And then you combine a bad race with some off the track things and it's all around just not a not the best night or weekend night weekend race whatever 
Um, so yeah, moving on to the Xfinity race, you had Ty Gibbs win the race, wins the title. Uh, this comes after a week long of Noah Gragson basically talking shit about Ty Gibbs, any chance he got. Uh, and everybody wondering, you know, if Ty would survive to the end of the race, would he get junked? Would he get roughed up? None of that happened. He didn't get junked. He didn't get roughed up. He, he raced clean. Uh, I believe obviously he used up his, you know, getting to race like a dick card last week at Martinsville. So he was under the microscope, knew he couldn't turn the nine or the seven if he wanted to. Um, so he had to race him clean and it was a really good race between the three of them. And honestly, I wish we could have had that style of racing on Sunday for the cup race, but you know, unfortunately the Ascendi cars somehow have a better package and better racing and more speed than the cup cars, harder to drive in a sense. And yeah, it's unfortunate again, it's sort of, that's where we're at as a sport, but Ty Gibbs wins. Noah Gragson runs second then refers to Ty Gibbs as a POS in his post-race interview and said, you hate to lose to someone like that. Um, Noah, he had an opportunity with like two or three to go to get into the 54 and he didn't do it. And I wonder if he regrets it a little bit. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I wonder if he regretted that in the moment. Hindsight 2020, looking back on it today and sort of knowing what happened with Coy, it's hard to be like, yeah, I wish I would have junked that guy to win the race. Um, because while Noah's dad might not be a part of his life right now, his dad is still around, so he can still visit him, even if it's through a plexiglass bulletproof window. Um, and Ty, unfortunately, can't. So, yeah, it is all um, a bummer. Because, you know, GRM entered the Xfinity race on Saturday with three of the four drivers. And to leave without a trophy is a bit disheartening. I mean, it's a bit of a failure. When you have three guys in a championship race, you should be able to beat one car. And they couldn't do it. The 54 car, though, all season long has created more mechanical grip than any other car on track. Uh, I don't know what they're doing. I'm not going to speculate on what they're doing. I will just say that after he wins on road courses, he doesn't do the burnouts like he does when he wins on ovals. Um, but that car definitely creates more grip than anyone else. His drive off the corner is typically way better. Uh, he did have a really good short run car uh, yesterday where the JRM cars definitely had long run cars. But when it came down to it, they just couldn't, just couldn't get there. And uh, Ty ends up winning by four tenths of a second over Noah. Justin Allgaier finishes third. Um, Noah's pit crew let him down. I don't know if it would have been different if he was able to restart second uh, on that final restart instead of, I think, eighth where he had to restart at. Uh, it it could have definitely have been different. Allgaier had a chance to, to win this, and he was leading, sailed off into turn one way too hot, got way off the racetrack, handed the lead back to Ty Gibbs, and that was it, basically. Landon Castle finished P4, Shirley Temples for everyone, AJ Allmendinger P5, Sheldon Creed 6, Riley Herps 7th, Daniel Hemrick 8th, shout out to him for filling in today for Ty Gibbs in the 23 car, he finished P17, uh, really good run on short notice for him in a car that he's never practiced, um, but uh, overall good run for Daniel, 
Austin Hill finishes P9 after knocking Myatt Snyder the fuck out last week. And Sammy Smith finished 10th after getting junked by Ty Gibbs last weekend as well. I think we'll see him full-time on that 18 car next year. Obviously, I think that the JGR Xfinity announcements and the 18 car announcement for the Cup Series might be delayed um, for a little bit, which is understandable. Brandon Jones, P11. He had an opportunity to get into the 54 Ty Gibbs at 1.2, and he didn't do it. I understand not wanting to affect the championship, but everybody talked all weekend. It was kind of a letdown. Nick Sanchez qualified P3, uh, finished P12 in that 48 car that Parker Kligerman will have next year, which is awesome for him. Josh Berry, P13. Uh, he was running top five most of the day. Got into the wall on the restart, just trying to go for it, and uh, finishes fourth in the championship. Not bad in his first full season. Um, as a guy who almost definitely got passed over in his career. Roger Cruz, P17. Uh, good good run for him in that Alpha Prime. Prime? Alpha Prime, I think that's what it is. Car? No, I just completely blanked on that team. Uh, yeah, so the rest of it, Brandon Brown crashed out. Dylan Bassett blew up. Dylan Bassett, really good qualifying run for them in that family team, uh, P12. Sam Mayer got absolutely junked. Fucked around with the 54 for a little bit and then let him go. And then could have definitely fucked around with him at the end of the race. Uh, but, you know, didn't. Overall, the Xfinity race was super clean. Really clean race. Uh, I did have to laugh when Ty Gibbs got out. It was a chorus of boos from the grandstand there at Phoenix. And Marty Snyder goes, I think it's a mixed reaction. It was all boos during driver intros. And I think there were some cheers in here. As soon as he said that, the entire grandstand just booed incessantly, um, which was funny in the moment and now kind of is a bummer knowing what they're going through on a personal level um so yeah that was the xfinity series races uh the truck series at phoenix zane smith finally after finishing runner-up the last two years gets to stand at the top step of the podium and hold the trophy and kiss the girl he wins the race he wins the championship he gets front row motorsports a championship in their is this their second year in the truck series um, full-time? I do believe. I'm going to have to go fact check that now because off the top of my head, I think it was their second, but we need to find out. Give me the results for the 38 truck. Give them to me, Racing Reference. Oh, my God. That just gives it to me and these motherfuckers. All right, I'm going to have to do a little research here. Wait patiently with me while I open up the Google here. Let me look at this. Come on, come on, come on. Truck. Show me the result. Yeah, okay, no, this is our third full season. Couldn't remember. I knew they ran a season with Todd Gillen. Couldn't remember if it was one or two. Uh, they got a win last year with Todd Gillen at Coda. They pick up four wins this year with Zane Smith. And a championship. Zane will be making uh, his Daytona 500 debut, not his Cup Series debut, because obviously he filled in for Chris Buescher after he caught COVID from his flip at the Coke 600. Shout out Fox News for that headline. Um, he'll be making his, or his Daytona 500 debut this February for Front Row Motorsports and starting in select races. And I think they want to get him into some Xfinity stuff as well. He's definitely a talent. Um, he definitely probably deserves to be on the ladder already and above the truck series but he is a truck series champion which is awesome 
He's one of the guys, uh, when we used to go to Salem every year, uh, we just didn't go this year because of, oh, everybody's schedule is just way too busy and a four o'clock afternoon start is very difficult for us all to get to um, and plan around because we have lives. But he's one of the guys that we met way back, I say way back, probably like four years ago or so. And um, good kid came on the podcast uh, back then when it was Racing Rundown and chatted with us so i i always like to see those guys that we sort of get to talk to at salem and cut their teeth through arca have success so really good to see his girlfriend was going absolutely nuts uh the leather pants just seemed super uncomfortable to me my girlfriend watched this race with me first time she's ever watched a nascar race um and she said that the leather pants were cool but they are a pain in the ass which i thought that they would be um, I can't imagine having to pee with leather pants on or just getting a little sweaty. Yikes. You got to peel those bad boys off. But let me talk about that real quick. It's the first time she's ever watched a race, NASCAR race. She loves Drive to Survive. And I was like, this is like Drive to Survive just with redneck accents. And at one point, Michael Waltrip, and I think he said, and I quote, I like coming. And she sat up because she had kind of started to doze off. And I was like, what did he just say? And I was like, this is what happens. Um, Michael Walter says dumb things. But so having watched a race with a person who's literally never watched an NASCAR race before in their lives, and I had to explain to her sort of how the championship system worked. She hated the idea of the point system that they have. The stages, she thought it was a terrible idea. She thinks it's so much harder to follow which I don't disagree with because I tried to explain it in the simplest terms I possibly could. And she was like, why don't they just hand out points at the end of the race? And I was like, no, they do on top of points two other times throughout the race. And she goes, why would they do that? And I was like, well, they think that that keeps people engaged and it makes the drivers race harder. And to that, she asked, does it? And I was like, maybe like twice a year. And they junk a lot of cars at speedway races. And... I apologize for the sirens. This is what happens when you live down the block from a firehouse in a town. Um, Neighborhood? I guess I live in a neighborhood more than a town. Whatever. But yeah, so very odd. She said that the southern accents from the announcers were really bad. We watched uh, some of the cut practice on NBC. She absolutely hated... um, Jeff Burton, Steve Letarte, and Dale Jr.'s accents, um, which I don't blame her at times. She didn't like Michael Waltrip, and she thought Vince Welch's call at the end of the race where he said, Zane Smith is going to win it. He has done it as Zane was, you know, in turns one and two on the cooldown lap because he missed it. She thought that was atrocious. She did like the drama of the Truck Series finish, which that's what a first, obviously that's what a casual fan wants to see. And that's why NASCAR always tries to give this to them. All right. I don't know what the hell is going on outside my house, but that was a cop car that went by at at least a hundred miles an hour. And another one. I live in a very safe neighborhood. And by safe, I mean, not diverse, unfortunately, Um, but my house is great. Got a nice, big, old house. 
fantastic. I don't know why I needed such a house for one person and a dog, but we're here. Um, all right, back on track real quick. Stop getting distracted here. So yeah, she wasn't a huge fan of, of the point system. She liked the drama. She hated the accents. And she wished that the cars looked cooler and the trucks looked cooler. And to that, I asked, how would you make them look cooler? And she said, with less sponsors. And I just didn't have the energy to explain the business model to her, but I understand that. Um, so we'll see. Speaking of the truck series, Kyle Busch announced his truck series lineup for 2023 on Friday. And it is putrid. It's downright disgusting. It's so bad I had to look it up multiple times to make sure what I read was actually true. So Chase Purdy will be in the number four truck full-time next season. He leaves HRE after a season to come over there. He's had two full seasons in GMS equipment and HRE equipment, both championship-winning teams, both race-winning teams. And he has an average finish of 20th in the truck series. Bad. There's 36 trucks. He finishes 20th. For you math majors out there, that's the back half of the field. To partner him, they hired Jack Wood, who's worse, to be the anchor driver of the number 51 truck next year with Kyle Busch and a list of other drivers, TBD. Jack Wood, in a season and a half with GMS, has an average finish of 25.5. Terrible. That's downright awful. And a truck that should easily be contending for wins, like his teammate Grandfinger did. So, yeah, bad selection all around. They'll also be uh, forming an alliance with Rev Racing, who will move up from the ARCA Series to the or Truck Series next year. Nick Sanchez will be in the two-truck full-time. They will have a partnership with KBM, so they actually have one driver with talent there. Whoever's funding Jack Wood's career, whether that's his parents some financier. I don't know who. I can't believe it would be GM at this point unless his parent or parents or somebody is high up in GM. Stop funding Jack Wood's career. All that this does for KBM next year, yeah. They. So I understand why Kyle had to do this. He needed to hire two kids that had funding to get this program going for at least a year before he and Chevy can sort of figure everything out. But he went from having the TRD pipeline plus the TRD money so he could get top-tier talent, uh, development talent, that is. Um, Kyle Busch has always worked on a business model kind of like JRM has, where they almost fully rely on drivers bringing funding if they're not part of the um, sort of TRD pipeline, where TRD is putting a lot, of, a lot of money behind them to try to develop them. Um, obviously they had William Byron. He brought Liberty when he was with them. Um, they have had, I mean, even Chandler Smith, his family's company is on the truck from time to time. Um, I'm completely blanking on the kid whose dad went to jail just so he could have a truck ride and run absolutely terrible in it, which that's going to bother me. So now I have to look it up. Um, no, you fuckers. Kyle Busch Motorsports. Let me see. But yeah, so he loses all of that that he used to have in the Xfinity series or in the truck series with TRD. And now he's up here and he has to try to uh, 
Um, yeah, I mean, okay, so he's put Drew Dollar in the truck before. Parker Chase brings some family money. Um, I don't know how the fuck Dylan Lupton ever got in one of those trucks. That's downright bizarre. Um, Joey Coulter, another perfect guy um, who definitely brought some money along with him. Cody Coughlin, perfect example of, of that. Harrison Burton brought money along um, with him. Noah Gragson did the same thing. Chandler Smith, like I said, uh, who's the one person I'm completely blanking on right now? Not Kemi Raikkonen, not that. Raphael Assard brought money. Parker Kligerman did not bring money. Who is the guy that I am blanking on? Why isn't there a 18 team? Oh my gosh. Somebody out there is literally screaming it right now. I know that they are. And I'm so sorry that I cannot figure this out. Not fucking Brian Eichler. Ah, Not Drew Herring. Not Kyle Busch, obviously. Not stupid Brian Scott. Okay, I'm just not going to be able to find it. And this is going to drive me insane for the rest of my life. And this is really unfortunate for everyone involved. It's not Spencer Davis, but that's a name for sure. Christopher Bell, Eric Jones, Todd Gillen, Rafael Sard, Chase Purdy. Ugh. Ugh. Just disgusting. Just disgusting. Oh my gosh. His dad had the fucking phone recycling. Ugh. I never forget things like this. And now my brain's broken. Truck series driver, dad, jail. Not Rick Crawford. Not, god damn it. Okay, you type in truck series driver, dad, jail. Rick Crawford and his pedophilia pops up. Not exactly what I was looking for. Not Austin Wayne's self. Um, he's not a pedophile. Um, good God. A whole lot of uh, whew, Rick Crawford stories. Um, all right. That's unfortunate. NASCAR Truck Series driver. Oh, my God. Kyle Busch. Motorsport truck drivers list. Let's see if we can get this here real quick. That's just going to be trash all around. All around. God damn it. Oh, it's fucking Justin Boston. God damn it. I knew that right away when I said it. When I was talking about this, I was like, Justin Boston. And I got him mixed up with stupid Boston Reed, who was a Hendrick development driver. And that guy stunk so bad, they were like, get the fuck out of here. Ah, Justin Boston. Yeah, his dad went to jail for Zloop, which was like a phone recycling company. And it was just fraudulent left and right. So Justin Boston, that's who I was trying to think of. KBM is not afraid to take money. Holy shit. All right, I apologize to everybody that had to sit through that. That was way too long. We're at 40 minutes right now. I'm done talking. Weird weekend, weird race, unfortunate 
you know, thoughts go out to the Gibbs family um, for the loss of Koi. I don't know what the future of JGR is now. That's not even worth talking about at the moment. Just move on to, you know, whenever they're ready to talk and do whatever that they need to do. Uh, obviously, we'll be here to listen. Uh, congrats to Joey Logano, Cup champion, Ty Gibbs, Xfinity champion, Zane Smith, uh, Truck Series champion. We will get rolling on the NASCAR series, I believe, February 5th at the Los Angeles Coliseum. I'm going to pull up the calendar here so I actually know. Yes, February 5th. It will be a primetime race. Thank God, because last year watching it during the daylight in L.A. just seemed very odd. And it felt like that was a perfect moment for a night race. Uh, so, yeah. Coliseum returns, and then the Super Bowl is the next Sunday, and then the... Daytona 500 is the 19th that following Sunday. You have the President's Day the day after, which I believe everybody gets off. Or if you don't, you should. You should tell your employer to give you a federal holiday off. All right. We'll be back next week to talk about the Brazilian Grand Prix. Um, You know, maybe by the time we get to that race, Nelson Piquet might be in jail for trying to... Wish death upon the new president. Who knows of Brazil, that is. We'll see what happens. See you guys next week. We'll have one, two more episodes this year. Recap the Brazilian Grand Prix. Recap the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. And then have a much-needed off-season. A little, what do they call it? Rest and relaxation. A little R&R. Um, like, this takes so much time. Oh, follow us on social, at Break Hard Blog um, for... Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at BreakHard on TikTok. Getting so close to 10,000. Get to 10,000. And check out the merch store at, or no, www.breakhardblog.com. It's not a blog. It's actually a shop. I know it's very confusing, but I own the domain already. So we're going to go ahead and go with that. See you guys all next week.